When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. As of right now, we are at war. How desperate you call on such lost creatures to defend you. How desperate am I? You threaten my world with war. You steal a force you can't hope to control. You talk about peace and you kill because it's fun. You have made me very desperate. You might not be glad that you did. There was an idea to bring together a group of remarkable people to see if they can become something more. Welcome to Fury's Finest, a podcast devoted to discussion of Marvel Crisis Protocol and the Marvel Universe. My name is Jesse Aiken, and I am joined, as always, with my co-host and good friend, Chris Bruffett. Chris, how are you doing on this fine day? Jesse, I'm doing great. I'm so excited to be recording today, talking about some very metal characters, and, you know, just catching up. Absolutely, man. Very metal indeed. And we'll return to that shortly. But yeah, catching up is nice. And also for us, our last two episodes were just this insane outpouring of news and spoilers and and hype trailers and spider foes and all these things. So us getting back to our normal format feels like it's been some time, even though it hasn't been that long. But you know, those last two episodes were really big ones, man. They were big ones. They were fun too. They were very fun to do. Absolutely. And a lot of you guys have reached out and said you really liked Chris and I's AMG overview and then our April 2021 news roundup. Something Chris and I talked about off the air that we're thinking about pursuing in the future, if you guys really liked it, I think it's something we're going to pursue, right, Chris, where it's like when there's so much news and there's so much hype and there's so many spoilers, sometimes it just makes a lot more sense for us to do it all in one go. And then we keep our character episodes the normal format for the most part. It also makes a lot of sense to keep this catch up section more about catching up and less about these crazy just insane drops that Atomic Mass just blesses us with. And then we don't get to do those things enough justice and how long we have allotted to talk to them because, you know, we, we have to talk about Magneto and it's going to take 35 minutes, you know? Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. But I mean, you know, you did hint at something really fun there, Chris. I mean, we recently, not too long ago, saw the sculpt for Sam Wilson, Captain America. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> Right off the heels of the finale of the Falcon and Winter Soldier, which Chris and I want to do some stuff for, which hopefully we get to pursue. We'll see. But what do you think about that model? Because we don't know anything about what he's going to be like in the game. And I, once again, Chris, I'm completely happy with that. I love this time where we just get to look at the model and just know the character's coming and just enjoy it. It looks great. The only the only downside I see is that sculpt is pretty much tailor-made for one you know paint scheme and one paint scheme only. 
But I think that's going to be the way it is for any Captain America model. It's just such an iconic look. Right. And there's suits that match schemes, right? With Captain yeah, America exactly. suits, typically. So the sculpt is just absolutely insane. I'm looking forward to seeing a lot of, you know, Sam Wilson, Captain America's on the board. My first thought, Chris, was I get to run Steve Rogers Corset Captain America and Sam Wilson Captain America together. And if they have any cool synergies or leaderships or who knows, just them working together just seems cool. Like this is what Marvel Crisis Protocol gives us. It gives us this sandbox to play in, right? Where we mix characters together. Some that would never team up potentially sometimes in the comics, some that would. Others like the situation got two caps because, you know, the rules is stated in the game. You can have multiple characters of the same character name in your list as long as they have different alter egos so looking at spider-man peter parker spider-man miles morales you know you can do that all the time you can't have two peter parkers you can't have two steve rogers but you can have sam wilson and steve rogers and that's going to be a cool list hold on though there's a lot of clone stuff with peter parker are you sure you can't have more than one peter parker on the table rules as stated you can't have more than one on the table in one player's list right so Get the wills on the phone. I got to talk to him. (laughs) Okay. I'll do my best. We'll see. (laughs) (laughs) It's a very exciting time. And, you know, Chris and I just got off the heels of all these news episodes. And then, of course, Atomic Mass in classic Atomic Mass fashion and brilliant marketing. They, of course, show us Sam Wilson sculpt. They, of course, give us more from panel to play on Scarlet Witch and Mr. Sinister and Quicksilver, some Quicksilver ideas. And then, of course, you know, Chris, they drop the next version of the banned and restricted list where it's been updated with a lot more things. It's crazy, man. So we're going to talk about this stuff on a different episode, but we are acknowledging all this up front, you know, that it's a lot of information. It's a lot, a lot, a lot. And we still have a lot of characters to get to. It's a pretty big undertaking. It really is. But Chris, I think it's worth mentioning right now before we start this episode that we're kind of starting another new season of Fury's Finest. It's going to be the Defenders, those New York street level heroes. That's right. We're going to go ahead and move, you know, Luke Cage and Iron Fist up. I realize there are some big names that are probably coming down the pike that will also fit in with those two characters but we're gonna go ahead and pull the trigger mostly because i really want to talk about daredevil i know you do and so do i and of course street level criminals at this level too chris so we've got a lot to talk about with this whole season that we're starting basically today though today is not quite as heavy in it as the episodes to follow will be but it is kind of like a nice appetizer to what this is all like you know and and it's interesting because we're going to kind of continue our defenders mindset that we started with Doctor Strange and Wong. And you can kind of put yourself in that mindset of where do these characters fit in my defenders list? Do I want to take them? Do I want to play them? Do I like the lore? Did I learn something new about a character that I want to now bring and realize on the table in a narrative way? There's a lot of great things I'm hoping this season puts in your mind. And basically, Chris just gets you and I even more excited about characters we already love. Oh, absolutely. You know, I'm a big mark for Taskmaster, Bullseye, Kingpin, Daredevil, Iron Fist, Luke Cage, of course. All of these characters are favorites of mine, so it's it's going to be an absolute joy to talk about them. And what's really exciting is we're going to kick it off just to keep this theme going, this little mini theme, this little Midnight Suns kind of theme going. We're going to go ahead and kick it off with Punisher. 
next episode. That's a nice teaser, Chris, because we're not doing Punisher today, but that is very exciting to think about that that is coming. And, you know, it makes sense in the whole theme of what we're doing of all this street level New York content. It's going to be a fun time. But, you know, Chris, today we've got a different character entirely to kind of kick this off, a character I've been waiting for quite some time to talk about on the show, as you know. And what's funny is this is a character that I know the main gist of the lore, and I know all the superpowers and history of the character, but it's really a character I don't know that much about. It's just a character I really love the superpowers, design, backstory, and just art of this character, Chris, you know? And that's Ghost Rider. Well, Ghost Rider is an interesting character, and we're going to get into it. Yeah, I just think it's it's worth mentioning up top, at least from my perspective. Ghost Rider is one of those characters I've always loved, but I never dove super deep into because I feel like Ghost Rider is more of a iconic cultural visual symbol type thing. It's kind of like Blade to some people too, if they're not interested in pursuing the lore, but the character itself is very iconic. And, you know, I feel like most people just kind of know Ghost Rider's origin story and it kind of stops there. I would almost say that most people don't really know his origin story, just that he is just the character design. He's a flaming skull riding a flaming bike, right. twirling a flaming chain. I mean, he's kind of, don't anybody get on to me here, but you know, he's kind of spawn before spawn. Right. And this is something we talked about, Chris, in a recent episode. And then you asked me the hard question, you know, but it's not really that hard. Who do you actually like better? It is Spawn for me. It, it is, is always Spawn. It's, it's always Spawn, but we wouldn't have Spawn without Ghost Rider. And once again, Spawn's a great example. Another character that some people know visually, even maybe superpowers and some of the things Spawn's done, but they might not just know Spawn like we know a lot of these other superheroes like Dr. Bruce Banner or something, where a lot of people know Dr. Bruce Banner's story and all this stuff and the Hulk's story. That's what's interesting to me about these kind of horror characters and some of these just iconic characters like Ghost Rider and Blade. And just an idea I wanted to plant up front because frankly, where I'm at, I just know a little bit more because I've I've dove in just because I've been interested, but it really stops there for me. You know, and Ghost Rider has never really been a character that has appealed to me until recently. I've been reading a little bit with the latest Jason Aaron run on Robbie Reyes, the new Ghost Rider. Right. And you know, there's a ton of Ghost Riders and there's Cosmic Ghost Rider I have yet to get into and Hopefully one day we'll be doing an episode on Cosmic Ghost Rider. You know, as far as Ghost Rider goes, this is the original. Some would say he's the best. And I don't know. <laughs> Johnny Blaze is pretty cool, man. He's very cool. But Johnny Blaze Ghost Rider is who we were talking about today. And I'm glad we clarify that, Chris. And that's one of the reasons I've been putting our alter egos next to our episode titles. Because, you know, if someone's listening to this in the future and say we do have another Ghost Rider in the future, they can actually go through our episodes see who's who, you know, go back and listen to Johnny Blaze, all the good things, I hope. But, you know, I think it's just time to get into it, so we better get going. Fury's Finest is sponsored by Discount Games, Inc. Go to DiscountGamesInc.com for all your Marvel Crisis Protocol and miniature gaming needs. Our patrons support Fury's Finest at Patreon.com slash Fury's Finest. If you enjoy our show and it brings value to your life in any way, consider supporting us with a monthly contribution and joining our Discord community. We thank all of our patrons for their support. And a very big shout out and a very big thank you this week to Craig T. I hope... It's Craig T. Nelson, but I'm cool 
with whatever Craig T it is, man. Thank you so much, Craig. It could be someone from, you know, Europe or the UK and over there it's Craig, you know? Oh man. We mispronounce it over here. Definitely. That's for sure. Oh, we, we do that a lot. We do that a lot. And of course, we've got to thank our Avenger producer, Matthew R. Matthew, make this show happen. And of course, you're the producer of this episode. And we thank all our patrons for their support, Chris, because we know times are tough these days. And we've, we've been there and a, a lot of our listeners have been there. And it's been a really tough year and a half or so lately. <laughs> yeah. You know, our Patreon not, might not be a huge thing, but we got a nice little small community and people talk in the Discord every day. And it just means a lot that you guys are part of this. So we thank you for your support. And like Chris and I talked about in the last two episodes, we have a lot of future goals if our Patreon takes off. So consider supporting. All right, Chris, I think we got to get, get into this lore. Let's go. So today, as Jesse and I mentioned earlier, we are talking about Johnny Blaze, the Ghost Rider, the Spirit of Vengeance, the Flaming Skull, <laughs> riding a flaming bike, waving a flaming chain. He has a pretty interesting history pre-Marvel. The character has been around since the 40s. The idea of Ghost Rider has been around. Right. Not Johnny Blaze. But not Johnny Blaze. Johnny Blaze first appears in Marvel Spotlight number five, in August of 1972, he was created by Gary Frederick, Roy Thomas, and Mike Plug. Before you get into this, Chris, I love on all this. I just love all this. You know, I love all this stuff. All this Spawn. Oh, I know all these themes: angels versus demons. All this stuff. It's fun. You know, mythological stuff, religious ideas, all these things mixed up with superheroes and superpowers. Come on, man. This is where Blade gets really interesting, too. You know, and I'm so happy he's coming to the game. Me, too. I was thinking about that during our intro while we were talking about the Midnight Suns. I just I'm very excited for Blade in this game. And we've got Angela to cover, too. And I feel like we're going to see some themes from this come with Angela as well. I'm excited to learn about her. So as we mentioned before, Johnny, when he is the Ghost Rider, he is the spirit of vengeance. He has soul flames that don't burn flesh. They burn your soul. They return all the the bad and the harm and the negative that you have put into the world and inflicted on other people and made people feel back on yourself. That's his soul flame. That's his penance stare. So you can 100% see how you shine that on someone evil let's say red skull he's kind of our go-to evil guy right you think about everything bad that he's done and just all coming back on him at one time on his soul man it's it's brutal one would say it's one of the most powerful superpowers he is an extremely powerful character part of the deal with being kind of divinely powered is that he is a agent of the divine so he's going to be able to be harmed by other divinity and magic tends to get him pretty good frankly unkillable by humans what's it cannonball says uh, all the time in new mutants he's nigh invulnerable when he's blasting there you go that's about right here so johnny being a former stunt cyclist and i guess sometimes he still is a stunt man stunt cyclist He's going to be riding. He's riding a hog, man. He's riding a Harley or something. <laughs> yeah. he's, got his, he's got his black leathers on. This bike is a demon bike, man. It's really fast. It's insane. And he's got his chain that he can kind of control like it's 
Indiana Jones throwing a rope. It's wild. But of course, the demonic entity that inhabits him for the majority of his history is Zarathos, whom Doctor Strange has once said possesses sufficient mystical power to challenge the Green Scar incarnation of the Hulk from World War Hulk. That's (laughs) a lot of power. Zarathos is, of course, immortal. If he's sent back down to hell, he's going to find another way back up. And he usually messes with Johnny when that happens. Now that we've kind of covered his his powers, and it's kind of a looser power section than normal because his powers are kind of loose. Like we said, Mm. he's very, very powerful. So that kind of changes based on storyline needs and who's writing him and, you know, storyline happenings and plot points. He's really, really powerful. Well, yeah, and you covered his penance stare where that's his all-in attack, you know? He's got right. all these other interesting things. He can manipulate the bike, the chain, his own body. He's invulnerable at times in all these things. He's on fire. You know, he's giving people fire, all these things, right? But then really his one-hit KO thing is the penance stare where, of course, if someone's a really bad person and they've committed a lot of evil things in their life, I mean, that's when he unleashes the full power on them, you know? But you're right, Chris. I mean, his other powers are pretty malleable to whatever the demon's doing or whatever way he's manifesting the energy out of himself. Exactly. So let's talk about how Johnny got these powers. Of course, I mentioned earlier he was a stunt cyclist in a circus, so his chosen and adoptive father, Crash Simpson, develops cancer. And Johnny, an orphan, abandoned by his mother, his father died at an early age. It hit him very hard, as you could imagine. Right. He went kind of down a dark path in his sorrow. And when his mother left Johnny and his biological father, she left behind a book of the occult. And Johnny used this book to summon the devil he he summoned mephisto right not knowing it's mephisto just more the stereotypical devil at the time right and there is kind of a stereotypical judeo-christian satan Satan in marvel comics i don't think he's ever been depicted but he's he's there yeah what i've always thought about this this is probably what you're talking about chris with early writings like early writings he probably was satan but then later it's revealed that it truly was mephisto the whole time he was just you know posing and doing mephisto things it's interesting that you bring that up in some of the earlier i think it happened in the 80s there was a big to do between i think it was gary Frederick Roy Thomas, Mike Plug, and Marvel editorial staff, where mm. the editorial staff changed the end of a story because the, that story was kind of setting the Marvel universe as a Judeo-Christian universe, and Marvel didn't want to live within those constraints. Right. So the creators and writers of the book got very upset with that, and it turned into a big thing for a while. Mm. Johnny has summoned Mephisto, and he has pleaded for Crash's life to be spared from the cancer. Mephisto, of course, demands his soul. Johnny agrees, and Johnny becomes the ghostwriter. Crash is cured of the cancer, but in his next stunt, shortly after recovering, Crash will pass away, Mm. causing Johnny to be very, very upset with Mephisto. Now, of course, uh, the original incarnation of of Johnny Blaze, the Ghost Rider, is that the Ghost Rider would take over Johnny's body at 
night and he would hunt evil. Through the years, of course, that's changed where Johnny can control the powers, manifest the powers himself, maybe isn't even inhabited, maybe he's just normal. But early on, we're going to be talking about a Johnny Blaze that is is kind of waking up at night, becoming the Ghost Rider, and, you know, going out to punish some people. Through these early years, Johnny's kind of going to be kind of be a drifter, and Jesse, as you put it, before we started recording, kind of doing his werewolf thing at night, becoming right. this flaming skull rider looking for <laughs> vengeance and punishing people and sending their souls to hell. Yeah. It's, it's wild, man. Goes away when the dawn breaks and he's got to live mm-hmm. a normal normal day and make money so he can eat, be human, and then be demon at night. You know, after all kinds of, of shenanigans and team-ups and big names... Big fights, wandering, other ghost riders. Johnny is going to find himself once again the ghost rider, and he's going to find himself captured and taken to hell. This is going to be one of my recommended comics at the end of this lore section, and that's going to be Road to Damnation by Garth Ennis and Clayton Crane. This is going to be where Johnny, he's trapped in an endless cycle of torture in hell. And an angel, Malachi, is going to appear and offer to free him from hell. And, of course, there's a catch. He has to hunt down a demon, Kazan, who is on Earth. So Blaze goes to Earth, and he's going to hunt Kazan. But he meets a demon named Hoss, who is also in pursuit of Kazan. And Ghost Rider and Hoss team up. Hoss and Blaze are going to end up... In a big confrontation with Kazan, the Archangel Ruth, and then we're also going to have Malachi, the original kind of the quest giver here, is going to be involved. And what's going to happen here is this fight is going to culminate in a church, of course, and Johnny is going to get shot in the head by a dying priest, an evil dying priest, mind you, because Johnny has already blasted this man with hellfire earlier but this bullet was a holy bullet and it sent johnny right back down to hell where he was informed by malachi the original angel that approached him that he's been tricked kazan and malachi were brothers the whole time trapping johnny in hell now of course johnny's going to escape hell (laughs) with the help of lucifer himself for some you know just just ghostwriter things all the demon lords. Oh, they're all around. And of course, Doctor Strange is going to always be involved. As a matter of fact, in this, as while he's escaping from hell, Lucifer poses as Doctor Strange for a bit. And Doctor Strange earns himself an accidental penance stare when Johnny believed that he was Lucifer in disguise. And this is when Johnny is kind of informed by Doctor Strange and others, other divine beings that Johnny is far stronger than he really understands, and he's being used by Lucifer. But of course, we all knew that. So basically, this is what we're going to get with Ghost Rider. We're going to get the forces of heaven and hell. He's the bad guy, you know, the the bad boy, not on anybody's side, anti-hero. He is on the side of good. If you get in his way, whether you're good or not, he doesn't care. If the Punisher is maybe neutral evil or chaotic evil, I think Ghost Rider's neutral good or chaotic good 
something like that. Does that make sense? Yeah, good. Yeah, I would agree. You're going to have stories of him having to protect the Antichrist. He's going to be involved in many, many big storylines, but not always. But rarely will Ghost Rider be the main protagonist of a storyline outside of his own titles. Of course, Johnny Blaze has met other Ghost Riders, one being his brother and one being, of course, the one I mentioned earlier, Robbie Reyes, who drives a really cool Challenger. They have a team up, give a little bit of the mentoring, the who's-its and the whatnots. And of course, to cap everything off, as a good anti-hero does, Johnny Blaze will be the king of hell. And this happens in a Scarlet Spider storyline called Damnation. It's very cool (laughs) how this comes about. And uh, I'm a big fan of Scarlet Spider, and I hope we get him in MCP eventually. But that's a book by Peter David. Uh, Like I said, it's a Scarlet Spider. I think it might be volume volume three. Check that out. I'm glad you mentioned the Scarlet Spider, something I really love uh, on our Fury's Finest, you know, Web Warriors, Spider Friends, Spider People art. So every time we return to a Spider Person episode, I will, of course, be using that art like I've done in the past. Oh, yeah. Got to mention Scarlet Spider there, of course. But yeah, uh, so Ghost Rider, he is awesome. But he also seems like he is separated from a lot of the Marvel Universe and the standard superhero fare. You know, oh, the Avengers are doing this. Oh, the X-Men are doing this. Oh, the Fantastic Four are doing this. He's very separate from all that, I would say, is a big thing, Chris, right? He is. I mean, he comes in a lot. He is, you know, a, a divine being. He's not a cosmic-powered individual, but he's he's a divine being. We've talked about how powerful he is. He's going to be used a lot in a lot of stories. He's a very cool character but he's not always going to have his own title he's not going to often be the centerpiece for these he's he's a guy that's been around and he's a guy that gets used but he's not always in the title of the book of course reyes right now is an avenger maybe he'll have a little bit better luck sticking but yeah i mean it's a lot like constantine in the dc universe it's it's a lot like a marvel cosmic like we've talked about it's still marvel it's still set in the universe but we're talking more about this this midnight suns group this kind of occult magic vampires you know classic horror stuff is is more where ghost rider shines and that's not always what people turn to marvel comics for no but it is really interesting that he has of course johnny crosses paths with strange and wong all the time because they're dealing with mephisto because they're dealing with these other demon entities and you know what's interesting about that to me chris is you know strange and wong different side of the coin from Johnny Blaze with their powers and their sort of mindset fighting the darkness and keeping things at bay. But it's interesting how they all work together in different ways. And of course, something we'll see in MCP shortly, because of course, spoiler alert, Ghost Rider is a defender in this game. So of course, he's on Strange and Wong's team. I find the character so compelling and interesting. It's just strange to think about him in the same universe as the rest of Marvel. I know he's shown up in crossover events and stuff. I've read him myself. But It's more strange when you only examine his comics by themselves. Like you said, they're more akin to an image comics, sort of Constantine type, you know, Sandman story, whatever. These things I love so much, you know, Spawn. But I mean, really, he's a Marvel superhero. He just happens to be, as you said, Chris, this divine guy that deals with all the uh, horror things in the Marvel Universe. 
You got to love it. I love the horror side of the Marvel Universe. I'm getting more and more into it. I'm very into it. It's always been one of my favorite parts. You know, I'm just happy Ghost Rider's in this game and, you know, we got representation of him in such a great way. But I mean, it's it's a cool route for them to go. And what an iconic character just visually like we talked about. So it makes a lot of sense. And also, Chris, you know, my final thoughts and maybe something we'll turn to in the future, because I know even Ghost Rider crosses some paths with one of my personal favorite villains, Carnage. Well, if Ghost Rider's chaotic good, I mean, we know Carnage is chaotic evil. That's a match made in heaven right there, you know, of uh, some oh, yeah. good versus evil, both on the fringes of good and evil, you know, but obviously they're a good fight against each other, and which is why I think Ghost Rider's always in conflict with, of course, Mephisto. It's very much the same thing. Oh, 100%. And not to mention, he didn't ask for this. Right. You know, Mephisto kind of forced to this on him. Even though he approached it, there's there's the trickery, the underhandedness. He still lost his dad. Right. And now he's this just overpowered guy that's hell-bent on making people pay. Mm-hmm. And he never wa- – like, he didn't want this. I know. know. And it's just – it's that's the other big thing with this character is how he deals with these unwanted powers that 100% – rule his life and that might be part of why he's so compelling to me chris Uh, you know we've talked about the podcast time and time again one of you and i's favorite characters of all time of course is logan the wolverine and one of the most compelling things about logan is that he never asked for any of this including his healing factor you know and he's kind of his whole life is surrounded by what he is not so much who he is you know and that's interesting with johnny blaze because you know the poor guy lost all of his family he knew, and then, of course, lost his adopted family, and then, of course, made a deal with the devil, which ended up being kind of a loophole trick, and then immediately he was forced to serve this entity, you know, in a negative way, and then, of course, he's channeled in a positive way, but it's an interesting dichotomy. It's, you know, a forces of good powered by evil. It's very interesting. It's a very cool idea, and absolutely. So, just closing out, Ghost Rider... The way I've always understood him, Chris, and you know, I'd like you to add more to this, but he's a reluctant anti-hero. He's a reluctant hero, period. But of course, then he, of course, is an anti-hero. He's the things that people love about Venom and stuff when Eddie Brock is the true anti-hero that we know Venom to actually be. You know, but it's much more than that because, like you said, he's got this weird side where he becomes something else. You know, he werewolves out, as I put simply earlier. But it's a good, it's a good way to state it. You know, and maybe that's why people like Venom too. I think. You know, yeah, it's the same thing. Similar character, very similar. Because not only do they both become other things physically, but they are influenced heavily by the very thing powering them. Right. While they're powered up, and they're trying to be. more good than the thing. Well, Zarathos is bad. Yeah, Zarathos is, is a bad dude. And, <laughs> right. and Johnny's having to wrestle with this demon that wants to kill everything around him all the time. That's, you know, that's one of the big appeals of this character. A lot of people can kind of, you know, we all fight that rage or whatever sometimes, you know? Absolutely. No. And I think the parallel is is a cool one between him and Venom because fighting the thing, whether it be the symbiote or, you know, the spirit, you know, but also trying to be good, but was already kind of a reluctant hero to begin with. You know, there's a lot of interesting things here, almost like them having this big power that takes over them in a way makes them more double down on being heroes, you know, when the time is right, you know, and that's what's interesting about these characters to me. Also, what's 
even more interesting about Ghost Rider to me than even Venom at times is like he shows no remorse to real bad guys. <laughs> like no, it's man. it's pretty rough for them for them. He's kind of the guy who's like, I will do what the other heroes won't do because I can cross that line. He's that guy. And we're going to get more in that next episode Big with Frank time. Castle. But it's a theme we're going to see going forward with some of these characters. So, of course, we sadly do not have Johnny Blaze in the MCU whatsoever. Of course, we have the Ghost Rider film, which came out in 2007, of course, starring Nick Cage. And then it had a sequel, Chris, in 2012. It did? That I didn't see. <laughs> at all that had to be a tax write-off movie here's what's crazy first movie did pretty well we all know that it made double its budget so i mean it made tons of money honestly and then the second movie once again even lower budget than the first movie still made a lot more than its budget people love this character man and and also people like to watch nick cage even when he's bad you know that's a true thing it's just funny we mentioned these they're not part of the mcu they came out right before the mcu kicked off and of course, you know, the Ghost Rider movie was made 2007 by Mark Steven Johnson, who was the director and writer of the 2003 Affleck Daredevil. So just keeping your mind in that oh, same wow. mindset, you know, he, he went straight into this after Daredevil was done. After that huge success? Yeah, I think Daredevil made a lot of money. That critically acclaimed success? <laughs> I don't know about critically acclaimed much at all, but I know Elektra was real bad. Even worse than Daredevil, you know, critical and commercial failure, unfortunately. Yeah. But I will say, I think the Daredevil movie's budget was around $75 million, and I think it made it closer to $180 million. So once again, very successful movies for the time, you know, money-wise, of course. It just speaks to how wonderful his character design is. Absolutely. And for both these characters, right? Nick Cage is actually a decent choice for Johnny Blaze in some ways, but it's not what I'd want today. And Chris, if I were to cast the MCU today, because I definitely think we need Johnny Blaze and then maybe the other Ghost Riders down the line, you know, if Marvel continues doing what they're doing, it will happen. But my casting, you know, and I should tweet this out or something, but my casting for Johnny Blaze today would be Norman Reedus. The man already knows how to ride a bike really well. I mean, that's all he rides. <laughs> and he's kind of got that vibe the Johnny Blaze vibe. So I might be off off on that casting, but all at the same time, I think Norman Reedus could pull it off and bring an iconic character to the MCU with a, an actor that might be maybe not a typical MCU choice, you know? But I think it's right for the character. But I don't know. I'm shooting out ideas right now. So let's wrap this up. I'm going to give you guys a couple of recommended comics to read. The first, of course, will be no surprise to listeners of the show, Jason Aaron's Ghost Rider. It's the 2008 through 2009 run. If you don't want to read the whole thing, could you please particularly pay attention to Hellbent and Heavenbound? It's issues 20 through 25 on that volume. And then the other thing, I'm going to go into the vault a little bit here and recommend Rise of the Midnight Suns. So this is going to be the book where that team I've alluded to a few times with Blaze, Doctor Strange, Moon Knight, Blade. Oh man, so good. Yeah, these uh, I think Luke Cage is in there uh, as well. These guys that all kind of dip into the occult, these street-level guys, and then Strange and, and Ghost Rider. But it's very cool. This is when they all get together. There's some really awesome art in there too. 
Hey man, Moon Knight can hang with Blade and Ghost Rider. In in the very I least, he's he's giving out a similar vibe. You know, those guys are. Moon Knight is one of my favorite Marvel characters. Absolutely, and I'm looking forward to reading a lot more Moon Knight in my future. Great recommendations. I want to read all of the Jason Aaron series. I've read some of it not terribly long ago, but I would kind of like to pick it up at the beginning and just go straight through. And if those issues you're talking about are in the 20s, I I, I can definitely do that. I can read from the beginning to the 20s. Oh yeah, man. I want to know more. Totally worth it. Jason Aaron is a great writer. As you said before, I, I really liked everything I've read Jason Aaron Marvel and everything I've read Jason Aaron Star Wars. I've really liked. So I'm looking forward to more. He's got some great indie books out there, too. Ooh. He's one of my favorite writers. His indie books are a little more brutal, but Jason Aaron's awesome. His Avengers run is really cool. Well, very good. Well, Chris, it's that time. We've got to move into strategy and talk about Ghost Rider, Johnny Blaze, and Marvel Christ Protocol. His name is Ghost Rider, and his alter ego is Jonathan Blaze. On his healthy side, he has seven stamina. He's a medium mover, a height of three, a little different there, and a threat cost of five. His defenses are three physical, four energy, and four mystic. And Chris, on his injured side, his stamina goes down to six, giving him a total of 13 stamina. So... My first thought before I even pass these to you, Chris, is his stamina is about average for a five threat. The only five threats that have higher stamina than him are Black Bolt and Thor. So what are your thoughts about Ghost Rider's stats? Well, I want to talk about what's going to set him apart from those two characters right off the bat. And that's how big his freaking base is. That's right. Using a medium movement tool. That's what really stands out. When I'm looking at a five threat character, a six threat character, we look at these stat lines, you kind of got to see what you're in for. Is it a long mover? That's really going to kind of inform where the power set's going to lean. Is it just standard chalk? Well, there's probably going to be a lot of text and looks like I know where we're going. No, you're right. And you've always favored the long movers. He's not a long mover, but that's a large base. He covers a lot of ground. You're absolutely right. Him and Angela are the fastest characters in the game in a lot of ways because Angela is on a medium-sized base, but she is a long mover. And of course, Ghost Rider is on a large base and he's a medium mover. So they are the two fastest five threats, you know, which makes a lot of sense, really, thematically. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So let's just get into his stats because something that stands out right at the bat with me, Chris, with Ghost Rider, and of course, this is definitely a balanced thing. His physical defense is real low for a five threat, but his energy and his mystic are respectable. What's interesting, though, is like we've got four threats like Hela who are four, 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 right? So Hela has better defensive stats than Ghost Rider at five. That's worth mentioning up top because I think this is a balancing thing because this guy puts out a lot of damage. Mm -hmm. And it it just makes sense, but it's also like, okay, we've got to look at that realistically when we see his stats. Though, you know, it's going to be really hard to one-shot him on either side. You know, seven stamina on one side and six stamina on the back side. I mean, when you get into the six and upwards numbers, like, it gets almost where it's very unlikely you will ever one-shot a guy. You know, where Ghost Rider's going to do something, even if it gets attacked, right? Right. Why don't you start us off, Chris, on his first attacks, because he does have three. All right. His first attack is an energy attack, and I'm just going to get this out of the way, guys. All of the names of his powers are cool, so So I'm just going to blanket say that so I don't have to say it every time we talk about one. Okay. The first cool name is Chains of Damnation. It is a range three, strength six, 
Power cost zero, of course. Uh, gains power equal to the damage dealt. And on a wild, you're going to trigger hex. Simply, when it's triggered, it will give the target character the hex special condition. And that's right. Of course, the hex special condition is the character with hex does not roll additional dice for its critical results during attack, defense, or dodge rolls. So you don't explode crits, which is a pretty nice thing, Chris. But what do you think about Ghost Rider just having a six strength strike that's range three that gives out a condition? I'm in favor. It's good. We've talked about the benefits of any strike that's over five a lot. I don't think we need to go into that too much, but it giving out hex is even better because, you know, it's a control feature. It's also energy, Chris, which we know is one of the most underrepresented defenses in the game. So once again, if you're targeting someone and energy is their lowest defense, that six feels a lot better than a six as it should because mm-hmm. it's going to hit, you know, and also, Chris, the chances of hitting a wild on six dice like over four or five is dramatic. So he's going to hex people and he's going to get power, which is a good thing. But my favorite part about this, Chris is range three. We already talked about, he's a large base and then drawing range three from that. He's always getting off strikes, which is just nice because it's what gives you power to play the game, you know, to do things. But we got to talk about his next attack. It's also an energy attack called flames of hell. The range on it is beam three, It's a strength of five and a power cost of two. It reads, if this attack deals damage after the attack is resolved, the target character gains the incinerate special condition. You just auto gain it. But here's what's cool, Chris. This is beam three. So if you lay this down on top of Mm -hmm. two, three, maybe even four people, as long as you deal one damage to each target, you're giving them incinerate, which is honestly the reason you're doing this, right? Because incinerate is huge. Incinerate removes one die from all defense pools. So you've got to more think about it as guaranteed damage in a weird way when people have incinerate because they just can't even roll saves, period, to, you know, block damage. Incinerate's huge, man. So this you're going to use less, of course, than Chains of Damnation. You're really going to use this when the time is right. Yeah, this is a once or twice kind of attack a game. Right. Right. Maybe more if you get lucky, but I mean, it does only cost two. So that is a nice thing. So I think any time you have two or more people lined up in a beam three, you're going to do that. Five dice, five dice, potential incinerate, potential incinerate. But his strike is so good. Yeah, his strike is so good. And we have got some other expensive things that need paid for. Yeah, absolutely. And let's talk about one of them right now. And this mystic attack has the cool name of Penance Stare. It is a range three, strength five, power cost of five. So a little weak for a power cost of five. <laughs> I guess there must be something to read here. Very weak. Add dice to the attack roll equal to the amount of power the target character has to a maximum of five. Next bullet point. Instead of gaining power for the damage dealt by this attack, the target character loses power for each damage dealt. Right. That's one power for each damage dealt. Ten dice power suck? Yeah. Okay. You obviously want to target someone that has five power if you can, but at the same time, Chris, yeah, if they have three or four... Modoc. Yeah. I mean... That's still good. Yeah. This is, this is a great way to take power off of a magneto or just shut down my cyclops list you punish someone right it's like if they're building up power this is going to be a nice counter 
to Iron yeah, Fist. Yeah, Iron Fist. Yeah. Exactly. You're not only going to take power from them, but you know they're obviously they're waiting to do their big attack and they're building a power. This is a great way to punish them for that with a mystic attack, which of course is usually less represented in a lot of characters. And then you just hopefully blow them up. Or even if you don't blow them up, you deal damage to them with a bunch of extra proc dice from them having all this power, and then you potentially right. take power from them. It's very nice because it's not so much you're taking power from them to feed Ghost Rider. You're taking power from them to stop them, you know, to control them. Right. You're taking that MODOK from eight power sure. to four. Right. That's huge late game. That's a whole, at least one attack right. to build power again. But that, you know, potentially that's a whole round worth of power that he's not going to be able to get the big things off. It might keep that combo back. It might keep that big attack from happening. What's funny, Chris, is I talked about Black Bolt earlier having some of the higher health of a five threat. Oh my. But remember, Black Bolt's mystic defense is only two. This is a Black Bolt Ooh. killer. Like, because Black Bolt yes, also sir. wants to build his power and do that giant beam and just finish the game. Mm -hmm. Look out if you're playing Black Bolt against a Ghost Rider. You might not field him, you know? You might keep him in your, you know, 10 model set and bring something else out. But it's interesting to me. And if the Inhumans prove popular, sure, Ghost Rider might be a nice tech to keep around. He really might. But I think these are really cool attacks, Chris, but we, of course, got to talk about his superpowers to really understand how he really works. So his first superpower is an active superpower called Hell on Wheels. Costs three power. Very expensive, but it's very good. Advance Ghost Rider long. This superpower can be used only once per turn, obviously, because... On that big base. <laughs> that big base with the long movement. I mean, you can get where you want. So in a weird way, you don't want to use Ghost Rider as an objective capper, essentially, mm -mm. most of the time. But sometimes he's just going to do it, and then he's going to be in position for the next turn to hopefully Flames of Hell, maybe. Set up a nice beam attack, or you know, just get ready to strike some more. But this is nice, Chris. This is really nice early game. Just get in the fray, you know? Or it's just nice to oh, pop absolutely. somewhere else, you know, quickly. It also opens up the option of double attack rounds and moving. Right. Because are you going to get three power from two strikes? Probably. Right. right? So right. if you can afford three up front to motorcycle in long and then double strike, you're going to do it. You know, it puts you in a absolutely. better position, you know, and puts pressure on the enemy, really. Right. But Chris, I think you got to read his next superpower because this is why I think you play this character. This is why I play this character. So I'm excited. All right. This is a reactive superpower. Its cool name is Wicked's Judgment. It's going to cost you two power. After an attack made by a character within range three of Ghost Rider is resolved, if the attack targeted another one of Ghost Rider's allies... Ghost Rider may use this power. The attacking character suffers one damage for each critical in its attack roll. So we're just going to read the next one too, because this pairs right with it. It's innate. It's called the Spirit of Vengeance. After an attack made by an enemy character that is within range three of Ghost Rider is resolved. If that attack targeted an ally of Ghost Rider, Ghost Rider gains one power. So here's the deal, Chris. Ghost Rider does a lot of damage. You typically don't want to touch him. You don't want to give him power, right? Because you don't want him to do more damage. But anytime right. you attack his allies, first of all, if they're in Ghost Rider's range three bubble, Ghost Rider gains power. And then after the attack is fully resolved, after damage has been dealt to your ally, Ghost Rider can pay two power to judge them, essentially, with the Wicked's Judgment. And, you know, if he sees crits in their dice pool, he's going to pay and do this, and they just take auto damage. 
So nice. It's very nice, and it's a very tough character to play. I will say that. Oh, yeah. Positioning is paramount with him. This is exactly why you will not be seeing me play him anytime soon. <laughs> the Ghost Rider range three bubble is real. Now, here's what's cool, Chris. Everything on Ghost Rider is range three. So if you can start wrapping your head around that, mm-hmm. all his attacks are range three. Chains of Damnation, Flames of Hell, Beam three, Pennant Stare, range three. But also, he wants his allies in range three. This is also where he runs into problems because... Some of your weaker allies might want to stay further back and Ghost Rider's away from them in a way, right? Because he's pursuing the enemies. He's trying to keep them all in range three, right? To do his big beams, his things like that. So you're seeing some parts of his design butting heads, and I think that's intentional. I really like it. You can play him really defensive, or you can get into the fray and play him really aggressive. You want to kind of do something in between, because if he just kind of drives in and he's by himself, of course the enemy is going to target him with everything they've got, because they don't suffer any of these penalties, right, from attacking allies of Ghost Rider. Yes, they give Ghost Rider power, but if they can just flip him quickly... He's kind of done, right? So it's almost like with Ghost Rider, you want to be by your allies, then kind of move into the enemy, fight them, then move back to your allies. And, you know, he he's very mobile and he's very control, but it's hard. It's hard to get it just right. He's 100% about picking the spot. Right. You have to be very mindful of his economy and making sure he has the power to pay for those big game swinging moves he is a five threat character he's going to have to get work done to justify including him into this list it's tough it's It's tough tough to juggle that like getting the value out of the character to be able to put yourself in a better position to win the game or does it get nuked yeah and he can get nuked that's that's his problem chris he's really mobile which is really nice so if you play him right you can keep him out of trouble, but if you don't keep him out of trouble, he has some of the worst defense dice of all the five threats, you know, because he does put out so much damage. He does get fed so much power from enemies attacking your allies. So in order to do that, that way, they had to, of course, I'm assuming, reduce his defenses. And he's got defenses of, you know, some threes and four threats in the game, right? But that's what makes this game interesting, Chris. Like, if all the threes were the same, if all the fours were the same, if all the fives were the same, it wouldn't be a fun game, you know? They would just be all threes are the same, stat-wise, right? And Ghost Rider is a great example of that. Like, he's got good health, but his defenses are low. He's got great damage, but you got to play him right, right? He's not like a Thor, where he's just got great damage, great health, he's pretty tanky. You know, you put him in the right spot, and he'll probably play himself if you're paying attention. Ghost Rider's not like that at all. He's a lot like the Maw, Chris, which we talked about. The Maw is by far the hardest five threat to play, and Ghost Rider, of course, is somewhere behind the Maw, of course, but you know, if Thor's somewhere at the top of easiest and Maw's at the bottom, Ghost Rider's certainly somewhere in the middle, you know, if that makes sense with the five threats. My best advice to anyone trying to utilize Ghost Riders, don't be greedy. Mm. Don't be greedy with your positioning. Don't be greedy with Ghost Rider trying to move him up just a little bit more to get that, that that other character in and putting him in harm's way. Sometimes it's just not worth it. I would agree, Chris. And of course, Ghost Rider's backside, nothing changes. He just loses one health. So he is a little bit weaker on his backside. That art is awesome on the backside. He's just fully engulfed in the flames, you know, because he's getting close to death essentially, or to be KO'd. Now let's talk about Ghost Rider being a defender. That's his only home affiliation right now. So you've got to think of him in that concept. 
What's weird about Defenders is Doctor Strange's ability, of course, is you pay one power and allies who who is attacking can change their attack type. And then if the attack deals damage, they give the hex condition. That's not as helpful for Ghost Rider because his strike gives out hex, but it is helpful for Ghost Rider. Like he could change his chains of damnation to Mystic. Okay, that's pretty nice. Or, you know, if you want to do a really powerful pennant stare and maybe the character is good against Mystic like Magneto, he could change it to energy. There's times it's going to work for him, but it's just not as good as a lot of the other defenders. He's more like just getting your defender number up. But also, Chris, we've talked about time and time again, an affiliation's leadership is not what makes the affiliation. The members right. of the affiliation are really what make the affiliation and then the leadership. This is my personal opinion, but I really do think it's a big part of the game because every time you play defenders, you have to take Doctor Strange. So Doctor Strange being in every list by nature of being a defender's list, every time Ghost Riders with Strange. Strange can heal him. Strange can give him defensive buffs. You know, Strange can support him with other ranged attacks and movement shenanigans and stuff. Wong can heal him. Wong can pass him power. You know, we're seeing themes here where it's like they do make up for Ghost Riders' weaknesses in a lot of ways. Here's where it gets tough, though. Strange is five. Ghost Riders five. Wong's only two, but you're already at 12. You know, and you've got three defenders, which is a great spot to be in for getting that affiliation, right? Say you're going to run five characters. Well, you've already got your three out of the five, right? You're more than 50%. But you're putting a lot of points into Strange and Ghost Rider. Mm -hmm. You better use them right, right? Absolutely. And here's the theme of something I said in the Strange episode I'm going to return to this episode. Pretty one wanting to improve their Doctor Strange and Ghost Rider strategy. You play this team, this version of Defenders with Strange and Ghost Rider when the crisis is right. Are you going to play them on a crisis that's all over the map, like multiple crises all over the map? No. You're going to play them straight up Main Street. You're going to play them on Gamma Shelters, on the Demons Downtown, where it's just straight up the map, you know? Ghost Rider loves that. Because if everyone's going straight up the map, they're in his bubble. He can beam on the enemies straight ahead, right? Doctor Strange is nearby, giving him heals and defensive buffs. This makes sense. But anytime they have to split up and be all over the map, a lot of different locations, you probably shouldn't take Strange and Ghost Rider then, unfortunately. So it just depends on the crisis too, Chris, you know? I think Ghost Rider is kind of a bit crisis dependent right now. And I think that's okay. You know, I think it's okay. But I think he's a good defender when the crisis is right. And I think that's a cool thing. When the crisis is right... Now, I will throw out my exciting, fun ideas that we always talk about at the end, Chris. Like, where else does Ghost Rider fit? Is he a good Cabal member? Yes. This is my favorite part. He deals damage, and he gets more power from dealing damage. He's a damage dealer. He's a good Cabal member. Once again, though, Red Skull. He costs four. You're picking Ghost Rider now at five. You're at nine, and you just chose Ghost Rider over Modok. You must have a really good reason. <laughs> right you better you better uh my reason is i don't like modok and i like ghost rider so that would be my reason but yeah. i understand once again you're creating issues there because ghost rider of course is not a cabal member so now you need to get some low threat cabal members like zemo and maybe sin and things like that but it can work i really think it can work and someone's probably not explored that yet chris really here's where it gets real crazy chris i've tried him in some other interesting affiliations and it actually worked out pretty well i tried him in web warriors you know they're a favorite faction of mine oh yeah not as good as strange and web warriors i really like strange and web warriors as everyone knows because you know giving spider people heals and extra defensive buffs is really gross also having a really high damage dealer in web warriors who gets rerolls on his defense dice which are not good to begin with is not bad so i recommend running him with miles just try it out here's what's interesting chris he's also a decent avenger right wicked's judgment for one hell on wheels for two yes sir that's cool that's where my mind goes 
You know what also Ghost Rider's biggest weakness? His defenses. You know who helps with that? Captain America. I think Captain America does. He does. He can bodyguard. I wonder if the other Captain America will. Hmm. You never know, Chris, but here's what's cool. You could bodyguard on Cap. Of course, Cap takes the attack, you know, probably blocks a lot of it, takes some damage, whatever. But then you could trigger Wicked's Judgment with an Avengers discount, right? Because they just attacked one of your allies, which was funny because they were attacking mm. you initially, but then you forced it on Cap. He's a good Avenger. You know, he's a good Avenger. That's a quality combo right there. I've also played him in Guardians because, you know, I love the Guardians in this game. I still make them work, even though people claim in the uh, super competitive meta that they can't work. But what's interesting is they can because they're a swarm faction. A swarm faction with a guy that benefits from other people being attacked is pretty good. If your enemy is attacking Rocket, that's scary for Rocket, but they just gave Ghost Rider some power, and then now he's triggering Wicked's Judgment. There's a lot of synergy there with Guardians, and, you know, winging it tokens are, are actually pretty good for Ghost Rider because he likes rerolls on attacks and defense when he wants to use them, right? So that works as well. Truthfully, he fits a lot of places. What's interesting to me, I don't think I've seen anyone try him yet in A-Force, but since A-Force is such a ramp faction, like the more you attack yeah. people on their team as the game goes on, the more power they pass around to people on their team. I think he could fit an A-Force too, Chris, because you know there is some synergy there too, where it's like you're attacking someone on A-Force, Ghost Rider's getting fed from that if you didn't attack him, and then you're potentially passing that power around to other members of the A-Force team because they were attacked, right? There's a lot of cool things going on there. But Chris, you touched on this earlier. It's not that Ghost Rider doesn't fit cool places and he makes sense. Like he's cool on all these teams. Like having rerolls and web warriors and being able to reroll skulls is awesome as Ghost Rider. That's not the problem. The problem is, is he costs five. He costs five. And he's only a defender. That's a lot of points, man. And it's like, would you rather take Ghost Rider or a long mover Angela? in Guardians or in Web Warriors, right? This is where it gets interesting. These are hard questions. <laughs> I would probably take Angela because she's a beater with long movement, you know? It's hard. Just depends on the day for me. I mean, honestly. But this is why we're Fury's Finest, Chris. We're not telling you necessarily the most crazy, optimal, competitive, perfect thing. It's get creative because this is a creative character. He's more similar to Maul than Thor, like we talked about. Maul innately has a lot less places to be than Thor, and that's okay for the game. It's actually really healthy, I think. It's kind of cool because when you see Maul or Ghost Rider come out... It's a little intimidating. Yeah, (laughs) you're like, what does this player know that I don't know? I assume that that player is good with that character because they've invested so many points. And let's be honest, if you've got a Maw or a Ghost Rider in your list, your list is going to skew towards making up for their deficiencies to bring the most out of their what they can do and they can do well. So you're going to see lists entirely bent towards them. And that 100% intimidates me because... I know you've probably played it a ton, and you're probably good at it. And I have not, on the other hand, have never, you know, maybe never played this list. Or maybe I haven't seen Ghost Rider in a competitive setting in months. You know, it's just, it can be intimidating. It's part of the fun of getting good at characters like that, is being able to have that swagger. Of course, Chris. And I, I think what's, you know, you and I have talked time and time again, like how much we love the twos in the game, how interesting the twos are. And it's like the sixes are just powerhouses and the threes and fours are just the workhorses of the game. So it puts fives in a weird spot where it's like they're almost the powerhouses, but they're not the workhorses of the game. So it's like you better have a good reason to take one of these fives. And, you know, the fives that are currently in the game right now are very interesting. We've got Black Bolt, Angela, 
Of course, the new Spider-Man coming this summer, The Amazing Spider-Man. Very excited for that one. The whole world is, Chris. It's too much. And then, of course, we've got Cable, Doctor Strange, Maw, Ghost Rider, and Thor, Prince of Asgard. That's it we have for fives right now that have been announced thus far. So, yeah, they're not the, you know, these crazy heavy hitters at the six. But they're also not the workhorses, which are the threes and fours, which build the basis of the whole game. So it puts fives in a weird spot. And when you choose a five, you're kind of saying, I know this character. I like this character. And get ready. Because they're kind of the twos of sixes. Oh, man. That's a weird way to say it. But it's like they're specialized heavy hitters, you know? Yep. I like well We put. haven't tried Cable yet, but I'm sure he's a, another good one. But it's like Ugh. these other ones are impressive characters like you'd be hard pressed to be in a bad spot to play Angela or Dr. Strange or Thor right now. They're just good all the time. But it's like when someone has a ghost rider or a maw or a cable or a black bolt and they know what they're doing. And of course, a Peter Parker, we know he's going to be incredible. So he's, he's on the side here. I think black bolt was in this category too, Chris, something, you know, return to in our inhumans episode, but I think he's hard to do too, you know, but I think when you do it right, it feels oppressive potentially for the opponent. It's just very exciting. It's very exciting. These are fun characters. Yeah. When we do a character like this, the end, I'm always, it's clearly not my play style. I should stay away from it. It's only going to frustrate me when I'm bad at it. But oh, all I want to do is put together a list with Ghost Rider and play. I think he does benefit from lists with more model count. All my experience playing with him, he's good in the list with the Okoyes and the Rockets and, you know, just all these threes all around and stuff and twos around. Because anytime you make a decision to attack one of them, you're making him better, right? And he's triggering things and, you know, it's it's a powerful thing. So that's my place for him. But I, Chris, I think we've stumbled on some interesting things. I, I've seen him do work in Avengers, but, you know, that ramp A-Force, he might fit in there. He might work that way. I never need an excuse to get She-Hulk on the table. That's true. But you just chose She-Hulk and Ghost Rider. We're we're 11 already, Chris. 11 points. Well, what can I say? Yeah, actually, that's very intimidating, actually. When someone puts that down across the board, you just see their first two models are She-Hulk and Ghost Rider. You're like, okay, we're going in. I don't even need to know what the rest of their list is. I'm going to have to deal with these two, you know, these two on the board. And, of course, She-Hulk has bodyguards, so you can kind of trigger that thing I'm talking about earlier that, of course, moving the attacks onto She-Hulk off of Ghost Rider. And I think that's a good thing. Maybe I try it. Chris, we got to close out Ghost Rider and talk about his two tactics cards real quick because this is what takes him over the top, I think. One of them is real good. I just don't know if you have room for it. And one of them might be essential. So I'm going to read the first one that is the maybe, and then we'll get into the essential. So the maybe is Highway to Hell. It's unaffiliated. It's reactive. When an allied Ghost Rider begins an advance during his activation while within range one of an enemy character. So while Ghost Rider begins an advance within range one of an enemy, he pays three to play this card. When Ghost Rider ends his move, place that enemy character within range one of him. Then the enemy character suffers the incinerate special condition. So this is really expensive, Chris, but it's really powerful. You basically choose a target within range one of Ghost Rider. You obviously are wrapping them up in your chains and in the bike, and then you're taking them somewhere else. You're moving your full distance, then your base, and then you're placing them range one of your base, giving them auto incinerate. It's not bad, actually. It's really good. No, that's not bad at all. And that could do wonders if you're going up against a list that maybe has a slow character, you know, slow powerhouse in the middle. And maybe you uh, can 
drag them away from their teleportation character and, you know, deny them a few activations where they have to reposition. It could be game changing in the right spot. Oh, this is game changing changing against like a Hulk, Magneto or right. Modoc, right? It just is. You take them away from the fight. You know, even if Ghost Rider dies now, you potentially bought yourself a couple turns till they're back in the fight fully, till they're contesting an objective. It's very powerful. Also, auto incinerate. If there was a card that was like pay two for incinerate, and pay one to move the target away and teleport them range one. If those are two separate cards, I think I would play the card sometimes that says pay two power for an auto incinerate. It's oh, just yeah. powerful because then you can just target that character down, kill them before they activate, right? But Chris, I've got to read this other card and I just want to get you, you know, your gut check on this card. His second taxes card, which I think is kind of essential if you're playing him. It's called Deal with the Devil. It's an unaffiliated reactive tactics card. If Ghost Rider is KO'd, so not dazed, he has to be fully KO'd, so he has to be dazed in a prior round, and then KO'd when this is happening. He may spin four power to play this card before he is removed from the battlefield. So that also means, Chris, that he gains the power from the damage dealt before he dies. Keep that in mind. Choose another allied character on the map anywhere. Ghost Rider removes all special conditions, removes all damage and activated tokens, drops all objective tokens, and then is placed within range one of the chosen allied character. If the chosen allied character was healthy, flip Ghost Rider's card to his healthy side. Enemy characters within range two of Ghost Rider then suffer the incinerate special condition, so a range two bubble around where Ghost Rider is being placed. Then the chosen allied character is KO'd. I'm sorry, Wong, you did your job. You were staying on the back objective. But now the spirit of vengeance has possessed you. And now Wong has become the new ghost rider. That's what this is, Chris. The theme is insane. It's insane to think about insane to visualize. And honestly, what a great card. I mean, it's, it's not just Wong in the back. It's a in the front and putting incinerate on whoever she's near. And then your activation tokens on ghost rider were removed. Absolutely. He gets to go. He gets to attack after placing that incinerate. You can use this at near the end of the game for a reposition and a big nuke. Just, it can be so gross. You don't mind killing your own character if your five threats coming no. back. Now, we obviously mentioned twos right up front. Obviously, Wong and Akoya are great examples. A rocket on a rooftop who's been sniping all game. And okay, I'm sorry, rocket. I love you. But the time is over here. We now have a rocket raccoon ghost rider on a rooftop, driving straight down from the roof at you. The theme is incredible, but also, Chris, too, you got to think about this strategically. Like, you know, if you've got someone like a Hawkeye or a Baron Zemo, like, or even a Black Panther, like in the fray and they're about to die and they've already activated this turn and it's round five or something, it's okay. You know, like it's okay for them to die and Ghost Rider. It's okay. You're right. (laughs) It's hard to learn that lesson. I get emotionally attached (laughs) to my plastic figurines it's hard well sometimes people think too much about value you know it's like they're mm-hmm. like i'm playing two two costs on my list that will stay alive so i can spawn ghost rider as one of those two costs but you and i have talked a lot on the show chris about like making the right decision at the right time but more importantly like your opponent will know this card's in your hand so absolutely if anything this is just a card in your hand that's creating a control effects on your opponent before the game's even started exactly like i said when you field carnage you're telling your opponent mm-hmm. something now you have to play a certain way and even if carnage does nothing or mysterio does nothing whatever it is you're playing mind games with them turn zero so they're thinking like do i even want to 
attack Ghost Rider this game. If they go that route, then you've got a whole different thing that this card provided you, right? But also, don't be afraid to kill your fourth threat who's in the middle of the table because that would just be advantageous for full health injured side Ghost Rider to come back on that side of the table because that character already did their job or something. It's one of those things like it makes such incredible narrative thematic moments. And if you're not playing this card with Ghost Rider, I don't know why you're doing it because like not only is this powerful when it's done right, but this is almost like a part of the character's superpowers that we just didn't read, Chris, you know? You should do this with him if you can. <laughs> and it's it's a threat. Yeah, it's it's absolutely essential. Yeah. And it's not like a competitive like you have to take this if you're playing Ghost Rider. It's more like I'm saying like you just having this card in your hand creates enough problems for your opponent and you're making them make decisions, which is what always the good player does. You know, it's like if you're making your opponent make bad decisions before you've done anything, you're in a good spot. And I, I love it. I mean, yeah, it might not be crazy late game. Ghost Rider teleports and becomes Wong on the backfield and one turn he drives up and strikes once. And then the final turn of the game, he strikes, you know, two times or something and does some cool things, but it might win you the game too. But if anything, it's just cool. <laughs> it's just cool, man. It's cool, man. It is the essence of what the Ghost Rider is, right? Like the spirit taking over someone else's body, finding a new host, you know? They nailed this card. They just nailed it. And I think you take it with Ghost Rider. I just think you do. And, you know, the banned and restricted list continues to grow. So cards like this will make it more into the game time and time again, you know? The more of these powerful cards that are banned and restricted, cards like this are going to get their day. And I think it's good. It's fantastic. So, Chris, that's our strategy on Ghost Rider. He is a tough character to nail down. He's a tough character to have strategy to talk about because he is so nuanced, he is so different, and he is such a high skill ceiling. Those kind of characters are what make this game so fun and so interesting. Like you alluded to before, there's not just one way to play. There's all kinds of lists. Some better than others, but there's all kinds of lists to experiment and try and have fun with and just see what you find. See what weird narratives you build and then maybe write a comic about it. That sounds awesome. And can we talk about how great the sculpt is? It's good. It's insane. It's awesome. They knocked it out of the park with the sculpt. It, it is Johnny Blaze entirely. Chris and I's draws both dropped. If you guys have been following the show this whole time, you know, we talked about it on the air, you know, and it's just one of those things where it's, they continue to impress us. They continue to make the game what it is. You know, this is a table presence. This character on the table, he's on a big base, full motorcycle, doing the wheelie, you know, flaming chain, flaming skull. It's all there, Chris. It's all there. It's so good. It's going to catch some people's attention. Fury's Finest is supported by our wonderful patrons. You can become a Fury's Finest patron by going to patreon.com slash Fury's Finest. Guys, good news. Things are getting better here by the day, like Chris and I talked about recently. So streams are coming back. That's my current goal and thing that I'm really looking forward to because the Fury's Finest play group over here, everyone is getting where they're fully vaxxed. So that day is coming very soon where you can catch our streams of Marvel Crisis Protocol on twitch.tv slash Fury's Finest. If you're not following us there, please follow us now. So when we do go live, you will know. You can follow the show on social media. Check us out on Twitter at Fury's Finest Cast and Instagram and Facebook at Fury's Finest. If you need anything or have any inquiries, email us at Fury's Finest at gmail.com. And of course, anytime you leave an Apple podcast review, it helps us out immensely. So if you can't support the show on Patreon, please leave us a review on your Apple device. Thank you. 
Thanks to Approaching Nirvana for our intro and outro music. And now you have to hear it from me, too. Of course. Guys, please rate, review, and subscribe. It helps so much. We want to be able to do more content, so we're hoping for it. I know a lot of you listen to the show either on our Anchor page or, you know, through the Marvel Christ Protocol Facebook page when I post links. But truly, if you have a podcast app of your choice, whether it's Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Podcast Addict, Stitcher, the, the list goes on. Whatever you have, if you actually subscribe to us, it does help us out a lot. So we've actually got quite a bit of subscribers and it really means a lot to us. But if any of you don't subscribe to us, it actually would benefit us a lot and help more people find out about Marvel crisis protocol which is what we all want a nice strong healthy hobby absolutely chris and like this is the time right like when the world is opening back up again we've got to share our love of this game right now as a community not just content creators but you the listener and all your friends and family who play like share with everyone you know you know share our show share your love of the game give some demos because the world is reopening back up again tournaments will be a thing again one day and you know hopefully gen con and person will be a thing one day there's so many cool things on the horizon chris and we're kind of at the precipice like we're starting right now you know so please you know spread the love because we love this game we love this universe and why wouldn't you want to share that with everyone you know, it's, it's so great. So of course you can follow Chris and I on social media. We both do some stuff on social media sometimes. So you can follow me, Jesse on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Jesse Aiken. That's J S S E E A K I N. And I have a star Wars podcast called the Canon Cantina that you can check out on your podcast app of choice. Chris, where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter at Chris Bruffett, C-H-R-I-S-B-R-U-F-F-E. T-T. Yeah, Chris, we, we've both been tweeting a lot lately. It's It's been a good thing. It's weird. I'm actually finally, you know, taking more time to get pictures of my tabletop stuff again. Now oh, that yeah, I've been man. playing tabletop again, I'm starting to get pictures of my terrain setups and, you know, some of my games in progress and stuff, whether it be Marvel Christ Protocol, Star Wars Legion, Blood Bowl, the list goes on. I just want to get it out there. And for you guys that follow at home, you know, just see some cool pictures of uh, some, uh, as Chris said, cool plastic minis on the table, I think. You know, that's what we all love. <laughs> that's what it's all about, man. It's about that plastic mini addiction. And then if you take it to the next level with hobbing terrain and stuff, you know, it, hopefully people can enjoy those pictures, you know. But guys, this was a really fun episode. We've got a lot of content coming soon, not only about this theme of the New York sort of street level content but also we've got a lot of content coming around other marvel marvel things and mcp news it's gonna be fun it's gonna be a good time so once again it means so much to us that you listen to us so thank you for listening true believers excelsior the world has gotten even stranger than you already know at this point i doubt anything would surprise me Ten bucks says you're wrong. 